thank you all for being here. Now today may be a little bit different. Uh, I don't know if I look more anxious or not. Um, this sermon did not go where I thought it was going. And uh, you're not going to leave here going, man, I just feel great today. That was just the best sermon, and I just feel so encouraged. But I do hope and pray that you leave here knowing God more, loving God more, seeing Jesus more, worshiping Jesus more for who He is. So I rarely title my sermons. Uh, but today, if you're taking notes and you want to write down the title of this sermon, you can write down, you're really not that important. Or if you want to put it in Kentucky parlance, you ain't that important. Whichever one you want to write down, uh, you're not that important. Be encouraged. We're just going to leave on that. No. To get started, I'm going to read an excerpt of scripture. And it's from the scary book of uh, Revelation. Chapter 19. Revelation 19, 11 through 16. It says, Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We're in 2 Timothy. Why am I reading from Revelation? Stay tuned, stay awake, we'll get there. See, last week we reviewed that Paul is in prison. He's not in the normal prison we think of with Paul. A lot of times Paul was on house arrest, where he just wasn't really allowed to leave his house, but he's kind of guarded with some guards. No, no, he's in prison, real prison this time, literally in chains. He is dying. He knows somehow or another that the end is very close. He knows he is dying. And he wants to spend his last days, his last bit of strength, encouraging his son in the faith, encouraging a pastor that he had discipled and trained and sent out. He wants to encourage him, maybe for the last time. It is the last time we see in Scripture. But he wants to encourage him of, to stick to what is of utmost importance. So he pins the letter we know as 2 Timothy. And he reminds Timothy, and he reminds us here today, that we must not be surprised by suffering brought on by the world. We must not be surprised that believing the gospel is accompanied by suffering, trials, tribulation, persecution, ostracism. All of those things accompany if we really believe and we really share this gospel. It is precisely why Paul is in those chains. He knows this. It's the only reason Paul is being arrested over and over in his life. Because he will not stop talking about this Jesus. He reminds us that, it is, that suffering is inevitable. And I say the word reminds us. Because if you turn back a few pages to Matthew chapter 24. Jesus himself says. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation. And put you to death. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another. And hate one another. This is out of the very mouth of Jesus himself. He says this is going to happen. 
not maybe, not could. There's no qualifiers there. This will happen to some of you. There's no caveats. This will happen to most of you if you really believe this. It says they will deliver you up to tribulation. They will. So either Jesus is wrong. I guess you can entertain that thought if you would like. Or this applies to us. There are no loopholes here. They will deliver you up to tribulation. The nations will hate you. One might say he was only speaking to his particular disciples in that moment. That context is key and that we can only determine that he was talking to those 12 individuals. Or maybe it's a general rule. Maybe it doesn't necessarily apply to every last one of us. To that I would say, what more proof do you need than to just look around the world though? That clearly does not just apply to the 12 disciples. Read the news. There are more Christian martyrs today. We talked about this last week. There are more Christian martyrs now than there were then. By a large margin. And that number does not look like it's going down anytime soon. It actually looks like it's going to get higher next year. And higher the next year. And higher the next year. However, this verse also does not specify as to what tribulation means. We always think this only applies to death and torture and the big things, right? They're going to come in with guns this morning. They're probably not. I'm not going to say they're not, but they're probably not coming in here this morning. But it could mean social ostracism. It could mean losing a job. It could mean losing friends. It could mean losing family. It could mean losing a business, losing money. It could mean physical harm, financial loss. You name it, it could mean just about anything. And it says this will happen to you because of my name, for my name's sake. If you're truly living this, if you're truly sharing this, if you're truly talking about Jesus, these things are going to happen to you in one form, fashion, or another. Some of us in this room, even in a small group like this, may die for Jesus' name. But more likely, it will be those other things. Are we willing to step into that? Are we willing to step into that? Because Paul tells us here to share in the suffering. Most of the time when we think of suffering, what do we tell people to do? Swerve around it. Avoid it at all costs. Oh, that's going to cause you harm? No, 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 don't do that. Right? If you feel like it's not good for you, then do something else. Your feelings are of utmost importance. But no, Paul says here, no, 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 you lean into that. This is what you have been called to. And he reiterates that in verse 9. When he says that Jesus saved us, Jesus called us to a holy calling. I'm not going to tell the whole story, but Paul wasn't out there being a seeker. He wasn't looking for the truth. He wasn't looking for Jesus to save his life. As a matter of fact, in another scripture, he calls himself an insolent opponent. Insolent means that even in light of the truth, you can tell me the truth, I'm still going to oppose it. I don't care that it's true, I'm going to still push back. I'm still going to do what I've been called to do. I'm still going to do what I am doing with my life. Paul was above the law at that point. Nothing he did was out of bounds according to his uh, uh, superiors. They could, he could do no wrong if it was seeking out these Christians and doing whatever he wanted to them. He was not looking, well, how can I get put in prison the rest of my life off and on over and over and shipwreck myself and get snake bitten and get beaten with rods? and get? He wasn't looking for that at all. And yet on his way to persecute more Christians, the living God shows up. Jesus shows up. 
visibly, tangibly. He shows up and he saves Paul. And Paul credits Jesus specifically and only for his life of suffering. He doesn't make any excuses for it. He doesn't make any apologies for it. He says, no, Jesus has called me to a life of suffering. And guess what that means for all of you? For every one of you. And he reiterates here, he's not ashamed of that. No regrets. There's no wishful thinking, man, I wish I hadn't done this because all of this wouldn't have happened. Because all of this wouldn't have happened. If he had not turned to Jesus, none of it would have happened. He is not ashamed that he is in prison. He is not ashamed that he's had to look over his shoulder pretty much all of his adult life, or at least after turning to Jesus, to make sure somebody wasn't coming to get him. Because they were always coming to get him. He was not ashamed of that. But why? Is it because he was just so arrogant? Because I'm sure Paul in his previous life was arrogant. I'm sure he thought, since he was above the law, and I got this, I, I can do whatever I want. Was, was that why he wasn't ashamed? Is it because he trusts his guts? I just know this is right. I just My instincts tell me. I'm just going to follow my feelings. Is it because he's simply strong enough to withstand? Prison's not so bad because Paul is so strong. He doesn't say any of that. He tells us specifically why he is not ashamed. He tells us specifically why he's not scared. He tells us specifically why he is okay with being in chains for the cause of Christ. And it is because of this. It says, I am not ashamed for I know whom I have believed. And I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what he has entrusted to me. You see, Paul learned from the moment, the second of his conversion that it's all about Jesus. And it is not about him. It's not about his feelings. It is not about what he wanted to go do because he had other plans. It is not about well, can I go do this first, or can I, can I mix and, you know, kind of get, get the two things together, and maybe they'll overlap some, maybe what I want to do over here and what Jesus wants to do over here. No, no, no. He learned from the get-go. It's all about Jesus. It is not about him. Paul says, I know that I am locked up. I know that I can't do anything but remain locked up, but also know that God does not need me because I am not that important. Jesus is he will guard what has been entrusted to me. He will take care of the rest of this. If I remain locked up for the rest of my life, fine. Jesus has got it. He will entrust, he will guard what he has entrusted to me. What is Paul talking about? The gospel message. Jesus will fulfill that. Jesus will guard that. No matter what happens to Paul, no matter what happens to you, God can and will remain faithful to his plan to saving people, to building his church. The gospel will go forth. You, we in America think we're so powerful, right? We, we're the greatest country in the world. I don't even know if that's true anymore, but I love America, but I don't know that that's true anymore. I don't know that we're as powerful as we think we are. But even still, take America out of the equation. Look back at history, at all of the tries that have been made to eradicate our faith to eradicate the gospel, to eradicate the church, to eradicate Christianity. Rome was as powerful as America has ever dreamed to be back in the day. And for way longer, they would look at, oh, 200 years, that's cute. That's good job, guys. Yeah. We have 1,500 years of ruling the world. And that, what, were, what was a lot of that time spent doing? Trying to eradicate Christianity. We see this in Scripture, but we see this outside of Scripture as well. People... Just for being a Christian. No other crime, 
no other anything. Imprisoned, killed, executed, burned, sawn in half, fed to lions, beheaded, boiled to death. That's the worst. Got to be the worst one. Hung on crosses, hung upside down in crosses, so on and so forth. No trial, no bill of rights, no jury, no anything. Oh, you're a Christian? Come with me. I've got something for you. And that was it. That was the plan. Eradicate Christianity altogether. And yet, after all of that, by about 391 A.D., right in the center middle of this time of power by the Romans, after arguably, at least, the worst oppression on any people group in the history of time, the most pointed one, the one with no hitches, the one with no uh, anything to stop it from happening, it was estimated that Rome was about 50% Christian. The gospel went forth. But how? That doesn't make sense. They were killing Christians. The numbers should be going down. Especially because people are dying. But also because people are looking at people dying and go, I don't want to join that because I might die. I might join the dead ones. And I don't really want to do that. The numbers should be going down. And what did it do? Went up. But it does make sense if you read back in Matthew chapter 16 verse 18. Because what does Jesus tell Peter right there? I'll take care of you. I will build my church. I don't need you, Peter. I don't need you, Paul. I don't need you, Matthew, John. I don't need you, any of you. I will build my church. I will do this. It makes sense if you read here what the source of Paul's perseverance is. It's not himself. It is the one in which he believed. The one who made the promise. The Lamb of God. The sacrifice once for all. The one who will save to the uttermost. It is Jesus as the source of our strength, as the source of all of this. You see, when you remove yourself from the equation and you realize it's not really about you, it's not really about me, it's not really about us in any way, shape, or form, but it's about making known and making famous the name that it is all about, whatever that may be, wherever the chips may fall, we are going to make that name famous then it makes perfect sense as to why that number would skyrocket. See, we look at the world even today. There's not, I, I'm not trying to step on any minority in the world. There is not a least, less, there's not a less popular thing to be in the world right now than a Christian. Now you can add a few things to that to, to be less popular. You can be this type of Christian or this person in Christianity. But that's the least popular thing to be in the world right now if you look at the world over, is a Christian person who really loves Jesus. And yet, studies estimate, I'm just reading this, studies estimate significantly more people have converted from Islam to Christianity in the 21st century than at any other point in Islamic history. Conversion to Christianity has been well documented and reports estimate that hundreds of thousands of Muslims convert to Christianity annually. Significant numbers... So these are specific, right? Significant numbers. These stand out above the rest. Significant numbers of Muslim converts to Christianity can be found in Afghanistan, Albania, Azerbaijan, Algeria, Belgium, Bulgaria, France, Germany, Indonesia, Iran, Kazakhstan. We know some of those. Kyrgyzstan, I think. Malaysia, Morocco, Netherlands, Russia, Saudi Arabia, Tunisia, and Turkey. Anybody sense a theme in those countries? Besides France, Germany, and the Netherlands, they are all, I checked, 
every one of them on the world watch list for most persecuted Christians in that region. Some of them are in the red. Some of them are in the orange. And some are in the yellow. They're all on the list other than those three that I named. And where is Christianity growing the most? Where is it trying to be eradicated? Why? Because it has nothing to do with those people. It has everything to do with Jesus. Guess where it's losing ground? Because the, the actual number of Christians in the world is actually going down. You know why? Because so many people in America, in Europe, in some of South America where it's free to do whatever you want, guess where that, what the number's doing there? Why? Because when it is about us, like America, we go do what we want to do. When it's about us and our feelings, we turn away and do what we want to do. But when it is about God, when there is no other explanation, because i got to be honest, in Afghanistan, in Iran, in Saudi Arabia, there is no other explanation. People are not just signing up to get their heads chopped off. Yeah, that didn't look that bad. They're signing up because they know it to be true. They're signing up because they know it's all about Him and not about how it turns out for them and their families. When people must rely on God to live, to breathe, to eat, then things are ripe for revival there. And that's what we see happening all over the world. We look at America. The world looks at the world. And what they're seeing is people are really willing to turn their lives over to this when they find it to be true. Left to ourselves, just watch the news. Just watch the news. I don't have to tell you what's going on here. I don't have to tell you that clearly we're not a Christian nation anymore. When my neighbors from Turkey come and they say, well, we saw on MTV and that's not Christian. Yeah, I agree it ain't Christian. But they watch MTV or they watch this, that, or the other and they assume that's what it means by being a Christian nation. And I look at them and I go, I don't think we're a Christian nation. I think I'm a Christian person and I'm here to talk to you about Jesus. And that's all I can do. This is why Paul was not ashamed. This is why we should not be ashamed. It's not about us. Have I said that? It's not about us. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not even about Mission Church. It's about the kingdom of God. It is about Jesus. Because we know whom we have believed. We know who made that promise and we are convinced he will keep it. See, Jesus promised that the gates of hell itself would not prevail against his church. Paul says here that he knows the one whom he has believed and he is convinced that he will guard it until that day, the end day, when it, what has been entrusted to him, that's also been entrusted to us. We look around the world today and that's holding true in places that remind us of hell on earth. We look around and go, hey, the gates of hell are that's got to be close to what it looks like, and it's not prevailing. The number is going up. We look at places like Saudi Arabia, and we think, I couldn't live there even if they weren't persecuting Christians. Much less that the fact that they are, numbers going up. But we can't muster up the courage to go across the street. We can't talk about that at our job because they might say something, or they might laugh at us. Or, or they may fire us, and then what, then what would I do? Because Jesus isn't powerful enough to give you another revenue stream. <laughs> Goodness gracious, no way. I mean, he can make people brave enough to go get beheaded on YouTube, but he can't, he can't get you a new job. <laughs> I mean, I can't risk that, guys. 
We may offend them. We may get laughed at. We may be the joke, the butt of jokes. Oh no. Paul would laugh at us and then cry about us. And I don't mean just everybody in this room. The American church in general, for the most part. Not saying there aren't people doing this. But he would laugh at us and then cry about us. Do we really care? Do we really care that people are dying and going to hell? Really? Like really? When you think about a friend, because everybody here knows a friend, or at least knows a person, and it's not because they're a cultural Christian and we think, well, I don't know if they're saved. That we, every one of us, you should at least know at least one person that is saying, I am not a Christian. And we know what that means for that person. My neighbors are staunchly Muslim. If this is true, I hope they don't die today. Because I want to talk to them about Jesus again. Because I know what that means for people that are denying Jesus as their Savior. Do we care? Do you care? Do you really care? Because I know the easy answer, we're in church. Yes, I have absolutely, Pastor. I do care. Even atheists would tell you, though, I don't believe in your God, but if you believe what you believe, you should be talking to me about Jesus. Because of what you think that means for me. Now, I'm still going to deny it, and that's okay. But for us to go, well, he's an atheist. Don't care. Burn in hell. That's hatred. That is outright hatred. That is not love. That is hatred for fellow man. And my real question then is not do we care because I have to believe that everyone in this room that calls themselves a Christian somewhere deep down really does truly care that people are going to hell. I have to believe that. If you truly don't care, please come have a different conversation with me after we're done because you're not a Christian. If you really go, you know what, Pastor, I, I do not care that people are going to hell, then you're not a Christian either. And we need to have a conversation about your salvation. So I have to believe that most of you, if not all of you, truly do care. But then my question is, do you really know the one who has saved you? Because that's why Paul couldn't shut up about it. That's why Paul didn't care to be in prison over and over and over and over again, dying in prison. Do we really know the one whom we believe? Or are we ashamed to share this message because we may not have all the answers? Or we may get laughed at? Or we may have to say, that's a great question. I don't know. Or I, what if I, what if I, what if I, my feelings, my, 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 my. I want to lovingly but forcefully remind you of the title of this sermon. You're not that important. God doesn't need you. It is not about us. We are not that important. God is not wringing his hands in heaven wondering what do I do next? These people aren't talking about me. He's not surprised by the persecution. He's not surprised by the fiery trials. He's not surprised by the suffering. We shouldn't be either. He told us over and over, this is what's going to happen. Matt Chandler says, the more we make it about us, the less we will evangelize. We weren't saved because we are awesome, but because He is. That's so simple. Do we really believe that though? Do I really believe that on a daily basis? Because if we did, we would recognize that people are not rejecting us. 
When we make it personal, oh, they might reject me. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting Jesus. They're just rejecting your message. It has nothing to do with you. But when you refuse to share the gospel with somebody because they might reject you, what are you saying? I am more important than Jesus. I am more important than that person burning in hell. I am more important. When you say it out loud, if you don't go, that's ugly, that is a dark, blackened heart, something again is wrong with you. We must change the trajectory of our thinking. We are all, every person in this room, far too self-centered. And I could not possibly be more on that list. I didn't want to preach up there today. I didn't want to make it look like I was preaching at anyone. This was to me. Yesterday was a tough day writing this out because one, this is not where I thought this was going. And two, I am far too self-centered. I think way too much about how things are going to affect me, positively and negatively. Way too much about myself. Can you imagine if the Apostle Paul's first thought when Jesus appeared to him on the Damascus Road was like, how does this affect me though? Like, how does this really change my life? Thank you, Jesus. I'll take it into consideration. Or the disciples, when Jesus is about to shoot off into heaven and he gives them the great commission, go make disciples of all nations. And they're like, yeah, could. But how does that affect me in my life? What might happen to me if I do? We must beg God to do a work in our heart to take our minds off of ourselves. We're not that important. The reason anyone in this room has faith today is because God graciously gave it to you again this morning. He gave it to you yesterday. He gave it to you again today. But he promises if you trust in Jesus and you know the one in whom you believe, he'll give it to you again tomorrow. The only reason I am able to even say these words is because God is forming my mouth to say them For the glory of His name. Not mine, not yours. For the glory of His name. The only reason anyone believes a word of what I'm saying is God's grace to make Him known. All about God. But isn't God good for letting us be a part of it? He lets us be a part of His own glorification mission. We get to be associated. We see all this... Some of y'all don't watch sports. A lot of y'all don't watch sports. That's fine. NBA free agency. All these players are like, you want to play together? Me and you, you, we'll go to this team. They'll pay us. It's not about the money. We'll get to play together. They just want to be associated with one another. We get to be associated with the God of the universe. We get to be on his team. And all we got to do is talk about it. Hey, look whose team I'm on, guys. You want to be on the team with me? Huh? Huh? No salary cap in the kingdom of God, baby. Come on. We can do this. That's all we have to do. He lovingly allowed. He could do it all himself. He is doing it all himself. All we got to do is step out in faith and go, all right, God, what would you have for me to do? See, in that passage in Matthew, we see Jesus say that many will fall away. It doesn't mean they ever had true faith. It means they thought they did. And it means they looked at it and counted the cost, which Jesus tells them to do over and over, and said, it's not, it's not worth it for me. I'm out. I didn't know it was going to be that bad. I'm going to go join this team. But in verse 13, he says, the one who perseveres, how long? A couple days, a week, month, a year? Till the end. Till the end. Till you die. 
till Jesus comes back. Those are the only two ends we got. Till the end. How do we persevere? Be strong. I'm a man. Knowing the one whom you believe. We do not persevere because we are strong. We do not persevere because we are capable. We do not persevere because we are special. We do not persevere because we are so courageous or we're God's special little snowflake. Show me that in the Bible. Show me where we matter so much in Scripture. One verse. Show me where we are so good and so worthy of God's grace that he has no choice but to offer it. Oh, you guys are awesome. Here you go. Show me one verse. The only reason we matter is all is because we were made specifically by God to display the glory of the all-creating one. He even says it. I'm going to make them in my image to look as close to me as they can get, as anything else can get. The only reason we matter at all is because we were made to reveal and reflect His glory better than the rest of creation. Because God chose to do it that way. What gives us value? What gives us dignity? The glimpse, the shadow of the one we were created to be like. That's what gives us value. That's why every human being, Christian or non, has value, has dignity. Because they were made in the image of the one that has all value and all dignity. It has nothing to do with us, but everything, 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 however you pronounce it, everything to do with him. And the only reason that does not elicit a hearty amen in here is because we've been conditioned by culture that it's not true and it's the other way around. We've been told too many times that it matters what we think and what we feel and what would make you happy. It's just not true. Westernized religion and especially things like the prosperity gospel will tell you that you must do all these things. Yes, follow God's word, but God becomes an accessory to get to your best life now. Tell that to Paul, the man who's in prison on his deathbed, preparing to die in chains for doing nothing but talking about Jesus. Remind him of the power of positive thinking. Or that he should have higher self-esteem because he's awesome. This is my Bible. And it tells me all these things. No, it doesn't. It doesn't tell you that. Tell Paul that he's in prison and broke, but if he just sent $100 in to this website right here, I'll send you a prayer cloth to give you all the desires you want. Because I blessed it. And I got this suit on. And I need a jet. God answered my prayers. He'll answer your prayers. Tell that to Paul. You can listen to that. Or you can hear the prisoner himself say, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. It's not about me. I'll stay in jail. Fine. Never about him. And we must continually learn that lesson every single day. It is not about us. It is not on us to overcome. It is not on us to convince people of the truth. All we do is do what he tells Timothy to do. Follow the pattern of sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. He doesn't say follow the sound words by your own strength, by your own willpower. By the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus, by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Even here in his commands, he reminds us, it's not about you, Timothy. It's not about you, Timothy. It's not about how strong and good you are. It is about him who lives inside of you. From Scripture, we can see this over and over. It never tells us that we do these things, but it sure does tell us that Jesus fights, Jesus wins, Jesus prevails, Jesus is victorious, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is King, Jesus perseveres, Jesus conquers sin, Jesus vanquishes Satan, Jesus overcomes death, 
Jesus defeats rebellion. Jesus remains faithful. Jesus guards. Jesus stands firm in the face of persecution. Jesus finishes the work. Jesus sustains. Jesus saves. Jesus delivers. Jesus gathers up his sheep. Jesus withstands the arrows of the evil one. Jesus triumphs. Jesus holds us fast. Those are all from Scripture, and I could have kept going. Jesus does this. But what about us? Pastor Justin, what about us? We matter, right? God, God needs us to do this, right? God, what do we do? Read Genesis 3. We eat the fruit. Read Exodus. We turn back on him over and over and over again. Even, I'm trying to even imagine what it looks like to see a sea go, and you just walk through it. And then they got over there, and it didn't take long. They were like, yeah, that was cool, but what have you done for me lately? Over and over again. Read Matthew. We fall away. Read Peter. We deny him way more than three times. Read about the cross. How many people were at the cross besides his mama? One. One. These dudes have seen him raise Lazarus from the dead, and they're like, I'm out. I can't, uh, that's tough. I'm out. One dude was there. Read verse 15. You are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me. I can't go into the details about how big of a thing that is. If you read the book of Acts and what was really happening during that time, like there were riots in the street because the Christianity had taken such root and that the people that were selling stuff that was non-Christian couldn't make money, so they rioted. Now, where are they at? Gone. Verse 16, he lists off one guy, not using his name, because Trevor studied how to say it. One guy that was faithful to the end with him. And what does he say? Specifically pray that the Lord would grant him mercy to persevere. Because he's not going to do it on his own. Those who know Jesus. Those who know the one whom they have believed. Those who long to know him more and more day by day by day by day by day. Those who place all of their faith and trust in Jesus. They will persevere. Because of verses like this. 1 John 4, 4. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Philippians 1, 6. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 1, 21. And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us, who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. You want a good guarantee? Get one from God. That's a good one. That's ironclad right there. None of these verses say anything about your day-to-day life, do they? Best life now. Be a good day. None of that. None of these verses say God will make it all unicorns and rainbows. You won't have to go to prison. Tell that to Paul. Paul in Acts 20-24 knows this truth. I do not account my life as of any value nor as precious to myself if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Paul is admitting he's suffering here. It's tough on Paul. He does not like it. And he's also following that up with who cares? Who cares? I don't care because I love Jesus. What do these verses promise me? It's not about our current lives and our day-to-day lives. Remember what we read to start today? In Revelation? That's the end. That's how this all comes to a close. The culmination of everything in the entire universe. Every last ounce of it. And what are they looking at? What are they seeking? A dude riding a white horse. He's coming to handle his business. He's coming. And there's no stopping him. 
Nothing we can do can change that. And when he comes and we see him in his true form, and his true majesty, if we have persevered to the end, then what? Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Come, Lord Jesus. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage. And I will be his God, and he will be my Son, spoiler alert, that's how it all comes to a close right there. This is what is going to happen. Whether you're a Christian or not, you're going to see this happen. This is what is promised, though, for those who can say they are not ashamed of this message. They are not ashamed of this gospel. No matter what happens. Because it will all be worth it. No more tears, no more death, no more pain. There is an alternative, though, if you keep reading. Because the very next verse says, and listen, as you listen to this list, and we're coming to a close, and you listen to things and you're like, ugh, go back and read what's first on the list. First on this list. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, what was first? Cowards. Their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Don't be a coward. Know who you have believed. Trust in his strength. Trust in his might. Don't trust in your own. That gets you to the lake of fire. Trust in the one in whom you have believed. And then, just talk about him. Tell people about him. You can't persuade them anyway. I, don't, I have had, there have been times I have argued with people, and I went away from that being like, I destroyed him in that argument. Guess what? Brother's still a Muslim. Staunchly Muslim. It hasn't swayed him even kind of like a little bit. And I have won those arguments. Doesn't matter. We got to tell people. And let God take care of that. Because we care that people are going to hell. And we know whom we have believed. And also because everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. If we know him, we will boldly proclaim this gospel. There's no, well, maybe we will. If we truly know him, we will make much of him. He will increase. We will decrease. We will realize that we are really not that important. He's coming. In my estimation, he's already on his white horse, just waiting for God to say, right on. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about Mission Church. It's about God's kingdom. It's about Christ. It's about people dying and going to hell. But it's not about us. That should be good news to us, not bad news. 
It's not on us. Jesus does this. Jesus takes care of it. Jesus guards what's entrusted. You either know him or you don't. Two sides. You either know him or you don't. Let's pray.